on the final Difference Makers podcast of 2018, Gulfstream Aerospace's Jay Neely offers a peek behind the business jet cabin curtain. Today's episode is presented by the Empty Stocking Fund. their organizations and businesses they lead. You might even know their faces, but do you know why they are Difference Makers? This is the Difference Makers podcast, dedicated to highlighting Savannah's key players and what they bring to our city, from leaders in the business community to those on the arts and cultural scene to philanthropy in government and in education. I'm Adam Van Bremer, editorial page editor of the Savannah Morning News and savannahnow.com. Thank you for listening. Gulfstream is the best in the world at what it does, and that's not hyperbole. Business, industry, and government leaders aspire to own or operate a G business jet, and it's a credit to the thousands of local employees in the Savannah community that most of the aircraft are built right here and have been for more than 50 years. Gulfstream is proud to be a pillar of the local economy, and we're joined today by one of the company's most visible community leaders, Jay Neely. Pleased to be joined on today's Difference Makers episode by Jay Neely. Gulfstream Vice President, Legal and Public Affairs. Jay, as is our tradition here on the program, we're going to start with a little bit about you and a little bit about your bio. And I know that you are not necessarily a Savannah native, but like me, you've been here a long time, so we'll never be Savannians. But before we get into being part of Savannah, tell us a little bit about your background, where you grew up. Sure. I grew up in Butler, Georgia, which is a very, very small town in middle Georgia between Macon and Columbus. Uh, actually grew up on a farm outside of Butler to be specific uh grew up grew up around airplanes and uh, started off thinking i wanted to be an airline pilot got my various licenses commercial airline transport pilot etc uh, for a host of reasons decided to uh, stay in school and go to law school so uh, did a tour of duty in in athens at bulldog u also known as university of georgia law school in atlanta for a number of years and came to gulfstream in 1999 almost 20 years ago go back to butler here's a small town i know you were telling me earlier that we we're, we're sitting at, on the gulfstream campus now there's more employees here than we're in the entire county that that butler is in and grew up on a farm i imagine not only before you were interested in airplanes you were interested in tractors can you talk about growing up in in butler and on the farm butler is uh, certainly a small town taylor county the county in which I grew up as uh, a whopping 8,000 people. There are 11,000 employees at Gulfstream in Savannah, 17,000 employees worldwide. So so uh, kind of interesting to be working at a company that is much, much larger than the county I grew up in. Uh, I did grow up on a farm, and you're absolutely right. I was driving tractors at 11 years old or maybe even younger and uh, uh, spent a lot of time around cows. And while that was a great experience, it uh, certainly motivated me to study hard and, and, and look for other opportunities. Right, right. And, and your father was a banker in town? He was. My father was a small-town banker. Uh, we had the farm as well. And then significantly to where I ended up, he flew airplanes. He was a private pilot. And so he, he actually jokes that I was flying in airplanes before I was born mm-hmm. because he flew with my mother when she was pregnant with me. So, so I've been a licensed pilot since I was 17 years old, commercial pilot since 18. And, and again, have my airline transport pilot, flight instructors, et cetera. So when the opportunity to come to Gulfstream came up, Gulfstream was, a, uh, I should say, a client of my old firm, the firm I was with in Atlanta. And so when the uh, opportunity to come to Gulfstream came up, 
it was, uh, I think the, uh, the the phrase would be a no-brainer. Right. So stay in Georgia, come to the coast, work for the world's greatest airplane company. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and wow, that was pretty fun. So small airplanes. And yes. you said earlier you originally aspired for airliners. Mm-hmm. Did you ever aspire to to corporate jets that fly almost uh, the speed of sound? Uh, I did. I did. So uh, the, the traditional route would be to... to uh, Go to your, get your flight instructor, build your flight hours, go to the airlines, build a number of hours, and then go back to uh, go into the, the fun airplanes to fly, which are the Gulfstream types. And, mm-hmm. and in fact, I, I, I remember when I was a flight instructor in America's Georgia, the first Gulfstream airplane I ever set foot on was a G3 owned by the Coca-Cola company. Okay. And so I was sitting in the FBO, which is the, right. the place where you wait for, for airplanes, and I heard over the radio that a, a Gulfstream was landing in America's, which is not a common no, occurrence, by the way. And so the airplane uh, airplane landed, and of course I went out and watched it land, and that was really neat, and it taxied over to the other side of the ramp, and I went back in and sat down, and, and about two or three minutes later, the captain of the airplane walked into the FBO and said, is Jay Neely here? And the person at the desk said, yeah, he's right over there. And so the captain walked up and said, uh, are you Jay Neely? And I said, yes, I am. He said, well, Mr. Leonard wants to see you. He's on the airplane. And it was Earl Leonard, who at the time was Senior Vice President of Government Affairs for the Coca-Cola Company, and he was a fraternity brother of my father's and knew that I was working at the airport. He was actually there to pick up Rosalind Carter. Okay, Uh, because America's uh, planes are right next door. Exactly, right next door. So uh, uh, to say that I was surprised to, A, see a Gulfstream land in Americas, and B, for them to come say, come on board was pretty uh, would be an understatement so i went over to uh, to the airplane and sat on the airplane with mr leonard and of course drank coca-cola and listened to him tell stories until the secret service told me i told me i had to leave because mm-hmm. mrs carter was on the way right right so how do you get from from airplanes to the law it's uh, a very good question so realized for reasons for a host of reasons that that the aviation career at least at the get-go was not uh, probably the best start father was a small town banker as we said but my grandfather was a lawyer who later went into business and through that I, I saw that going to law school is a good way to to obviously have a career as a lawyer but it's a great foundation to go into business as well so I, I saw that as an opportunity to to get a degree that would be useful and flexible and so I went to law school and ended up in Atlanta as we, we said earlier and, and really that plan that I, that I had all along to Started law and hopefully branch out into business. Uh, luck over skill, it worked out. Here yeah. I am at Gulfstream. Yeah, and the, the aviation business. At that, in the aviation right? business, they, uh, yeah. they just like Brer Rabbit, they threw me in the <laughs> threw me in the uh, briar patch. Right. So let's talk a little bit about Gulfstream. Obviously, it's one of the area's larger employers. Can you kind of talk about the employee base and and not just the, the people that wear the so-called blue badges around here, but where it stretches beyond necessarily this campus? Sure. So we'll start with the basics. We have uh, 11,000 employees here working today, and that's a tremendous amount of growth since we moved here in 1967. September of 1967, we opened the doors with 100 employees and uh, have grown, obviously, significantly since then. Most most of that growth has been uh, since the uh, around 2006. And so here on the the Savannah campus, and, and, and I definitely should note that we also have a campus down on uh, the Glencoe Airport in Brunswick, Georgia. So here in Savannah, number one, this is our worldwide headquarters. Number two, this is where we do 100% of our research and development work. So all of our R&D engineers are on the uh, engineering campus. We have uh, our lab, very sophisticated lab facilities, etc. 
it's our by far our largest manufacturing operation and by far our largest uh, maintenance operation. We call it customer support. But as you anticipated, the, the, the work that we do here, I call it on campus, is just a piece of the impact that we have on the local community, and we're very proud of that. We have suppliers that, that are here in the local area, some that have moved in to the local area because we're here, and, and we, you know, both from a business perspective and from a community perspective, we are very much inextricably intertwined with the local community, and we're proud of that. Yeah. In 1967, Grumman comes here, right? And at that point, they're still made, well, they're getting ready to build their first jet or they're in production for their first jet. What's, how's it evolved here over the last 60-some years? Sure. So first, the, the, uh, the, the Gulfstream brand started in 1957 with the turboprop, the Gulfstream G1. That airplane was built up in Bethpage, New York at a pre-existing Grumman facility. With the success of the G1, which, by the way, was the first purpose-built business airplane. With the success of the G1 and the coming of the jet age, Grumman decided to parlay that success to a jet airplane, so the G2 was born. And with the, with the G2 came a desire by Grumman to separate the Gulfstream operations from their other operations in, in Bethpage, New York. So they did a nationwide search, and, and I think a testament to the foresight of the the city's fathers back then, they, they did all the right things to check all the right economic development boxes and attract Grumman, now Gulfstream, to Savannah. So in 1967, we opened the manufacturing doors to build the G2, again, the first jet Gulfstream. Uh, from the G2, we've gone to the G3, 4, 5. Uh, now we have six airplanes in production that quite literally the world's most technologically advanced business jets touched on the fact earlier that that uh, we have a tremendous amount of, in addition to the design in, in, man, in manufacturing operations, tremendous amount of customer support and maintenance operations. I think it's very significant to note that, that and for our, our community to understand that, that there are two worldwide distinctions on the just the maintenance side of our business. First, uh, we have a maintenance facility that's almost 700,000 square feet. It's the world's largest purpose-built business aviation facility. And number two, Gulfstream Savannah, that is the Savannah Airport, has more business aviation maintenance than any other airport on the face of the earth. And I definitely want to note that that's before we finish the service center that's under construction now on the east side of the airport. That's a pretty big deal and something the local community ought to be very proud of. That's right. Anybody that's driven by there knows it's always busy and always full and and a very popular place, correct, for, that is for customers. They want to come back here for the At, most part to get a lot of their work done that's absolutely right if you walk and it's fun to do i, I do it often if you walk through the the service center or one of the several service centers frankly we have on the field it's a you know it's more like walking through the united nations in terms of airplanes you'll see of course airplanes from the u.s but on, on any given day you'll see airplanes from mexico china saudi arabia spain russia the ukraine you name it and, uh, and that's pretty, pretty neat for Savannah, Georgia. And, and I should note, by the way, that the airplanes don't come here by themselves. The, the crews will come, the flight crews and the maintenance crews will come to Savannah and stay with the airplanes while, while they're here in maintenance. And those visits can be extended for weeks and sometimes even months. And for the community, uh, that's some international exposure that's very important. Uh, but it's also uh, driving the economy. Those are, when those crews come and stay for weeks and months, they're staying in hotels, they're spending money in restaurants, they're spending money shopping. And um, in fact, a sort of fun thing to do sometimes with some of the international customers when you watch watch them load the airplane up to go home, they've done a lot of shopping. 
<laughs> there are a lot of shopping bags that get loaded into that baggage compartment. Well, before we really dig into the, the products and, and what to go further on to what you do, let's talk a little bit about the involvement in the community locally. I know that in many ways you're almost the front man. Uh, you serve on a lot of, of committees and councils and other things in town, and uh, Gulf Springs very philanthropically involved here in town. Can you kind of hit some of the highlights of, of, the, of that involvement? Sure. Gulfstream and its employees both take our roles as community citizens, corporate citizens, individual citizens, very, very seriously. And we're, we're very proud of the communities that we live in and very proud of, of the two-way street working together that we have. And, and I think probably a good way to frame it for the audience is, is uh, it's a very comprehensive approach. So in terms of engagement, uh, we have a team uh, led by Mark Bennett and, and some others at, at Gulfstream that focus their attention on, on the community, what we, we need to support the community and the like, in a lot of different areas. Uh, education, uh, we're very heavily involved in the K-12. through We have a high school apprentice program that in Savannah has already high school students, juniors and seniors, uh, working in almost 40 different disciplines within the company. We have a student leadership program that engages students in Savannah, but Brunswick and Dallas and and, uh, Wisconsin as well. We engage with the technical college, uh, just to use an example, the Savannah Tech, uh, Dr. Kathy Love and her team. We work very, very closely with them on workforce development related activities that that, uh, serve Goldstream and frankly others as well university systems, uh, University System of Georgia, and uh, in, in some universities outside the state, we have a very, very extensive co-op program, particularly on, engin- on the engineering side, where we work closely. And then in terms of the, the uh, community, so that's on the workforce development side, which is very important uh, to Gulfstream, because again, employees... You need, you need the people with the aircraft, the mechanics, ab- absolutely. there's a shortage of them, right? You need to keep absolutely. them coming through. Yeah, absolutely. Employees are our most valuable asset. Having the right employees in the right place is important, but it's also important to the community. Uh, we have, in all the communities where we operate, uh, we have strong communities, but there are people that, 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 that need to understand what opportunities they have for the career opportunities they have. Might be at Gulfstream, might be elsewhere. Our K-12 through activities in particular are focused on making sure they understand what their opportunities are. It might be the military to start with, it might be technical colleges, it might be universities, might be technical jobs, et cetera, and, and you know, we see as one of our important roles in the community to make sure that the citizens of the community, the children of the community, understand what those opportunities are and go in the right direction that fits with them. So, so uh, workforce is a big piece of it, not just for Gulfstream, but for the community. Another piece of it is the charitable side. We, we, uh, we as a company and, and the employees as part of the company are very dedicated to our charitable contributions. And uh, an example of that in Savannah, we just recently donated jointly company plus employees a little over $2 million to the United Way of the Coastal Empire. Uh, in addition to that, we support scores of other, uh, other uh, charitable organizations that give back to our communities uh, with our dollars. Beyond that, uh, it's important to give dollars, but it's sometimes even more important to give your time and energy as an individual. So we have a, uh, an employee volunteer program where uh, Mark Bennett, the gentleman I mentioned, he and his team coordinate with the community to identify needs, volunteer needs, and then arrange for Gulfstream employees to understand what that opportunity is and then go as an employee group and, and support that need. You know, example, recent examples include a uh, disadvantaged area in town that didn't have a proper playground for children. So we went in, cleaned up a, an area, and built a playground. 
Habitat for Humanity. We this past summer we through that same volunteer program approach, although that one in concert with customers as well that were in town for a customer conference, built a Habitat for Humanity house for a, a military veteran. Those are just a few examples of, again, how seriously we take our community involvement. That's great. The big product news around here is that you've been working on a, a program that involves two aircraft. It's been in, in the works for a couple of years. One of those aircraft is is already being delivered. The G500, G600 is coming. Uh, we won't press you on when. We know that that's, that's privileged information, but we know it's coming. And before we really talk about these new products, you mentioned earlier that the Gulfstream 1 was the first purpose-built business aircraft. And I know uh, as somebody who's lived in this community for a long time, when you hear that, if you're not really keyed in on what that means, what does it mean? It's, you know, back in the day, they used to convert if you wanted a private aircraft, you had to convert an airliner or another aircraft, right? And Gulfstream changed all that? That's exactly right. So until the G1, if you were a business that, that needed the efficiency, productivity of, a, of an airplane, your choices were to take an old military airplane, a lot of World War II type airplanes around and convert it, or take an airliner, or some of the smaller airplanes that, that, that really weren't well suited to, to a true business mission. So uh, came the G1. And from that, the Gulfstream aircraft that we have today. And, and, and what I think is most important for the your listeners to understand as it relates to what is a business, business airplane, first and foremost, it's a tool. It's a tool, business tool for a business to have a competitive advantage over whoever they're competing against. And so what does that mean? How does that work? Well, if you, if you sit back and think about it, in business, time is money. Uh, it's it's the time of the, of, the, of the people who might be riding on the airplanes, but it's also the ability to get to multiple locations in a short period of time and do deals or get exposure to customers that you just frankly physically could not do if you were relying on, on the airlines. So if you look at the, at the, at the business airplane as a time machine, because that's really what it is, it's a time machine that allows the, uh, the people in the business to, to, to get to a particular location or set of locations quickly and, very importantly, while en route, have private conversations and function just as if they were in the office uh, or in a conference room. These days, they have full connectivity to the internet, full connectivity via telephones, even talking on your own cell phone. Somebody can call you on your cell phone not knowing that you're en route in a Gulfstream flying somewhere, and a key business contact can get right in touch with you. So you're, you're able to get paces quicker, do things you couldn't otherwise do, be productive en route, and when you get to where you're going, you're rested, and so your brain is working so you can do the right deal and, and uh, keep your company successful. At the end of the day, that's what our airplanes do and do best, and, and especially in the global environment. Uh, the, the airplanes that we build, their primary mission, quite frankly, what they're designed to do is to be able to take off from, you know, real example, we'll say a G650, to take off from Savannah, Georgia, with a business deal that needs to be done in, in London and another one the next day in Moscow, and then you've got to be in... Hong Kong, the you know uh, the another day or two, and then back home um, by Friday to catch your kids' baseball game, right? We, you can do that with a Gulfstream airplane and be productive the entire trip. Land where you want, leave when you want. Security, I know, is another absolutely big security issue. is critical. Yes, G five hundred and G six hundred. I know that uh, for the folks listening, uh, Gulfstream for a long time, the approach was is you build an aircraft that could go this far and this fast and then your next aircraft went farther and faster and your next aircraft went farther and faster and then along came the g650 
which basically stretched to the point where you can you can go around the world in one stop. And so the whole idea of building something that goes farther and faster, well, I'm sure that's probably in the plans down the road. When you looked at these new aircraft, you didn't take that approach. Can you kind of talk about the approach of what the 500 and 600 were designed for? Different businesses have different business missions. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I'm often asked, uh, sometimes by customers and, and sometimes by just friends, well, what, what's the best airplane for me? And I always start in the same place. What's your mission? What are you going to do with the airplane? Right? If you're if you're primarily a U.S. domestic operator, you don't fly overseas very often, then one type of airplane might be best for you. If you fly regularly from New York to Beijing, well, 650 is probably the right airplane. And in that context, the, the 650 isn't the right airplane for everybody because not everybody needs that kind of ultra, ultra long range. They have more intermediate needs. And so the 500 and 600 are, uh, are airplanes that are designed to fit in the middle, right? Our goal, we have six airplanes now, uh, in production, and our goal is to offer a suite of airplanes, a menu of airplanes, if you will, that meet the needs of of any customer that's in the mid cabin to ultra long range uh, mission profile. And since we focus on delivering to our customers what they need, we need a broad range of airplanes. The 500 and 600 are meant to hit different, particularly range aircraft maximum range capabilities, but in the process, and this is very important, in the process to bring to those shorter range, and they're not short range, they're just shorter than the 650, which everything else on earth is, quite frankly, but the, the goal is to bring to, the, to those different mission profiles 110% of the technology, efficiency, safety, security that they find in the 650, and that's exactly what we've done. 500 and 600 can both go across oceans, across continents. It's oh, absolutely. Inter- intercontinental. Yeah. E- either one, everybody in this room with us could get in the G500 or G600 and fly nonstop to London without the airplane breathing hard or to Paris. I mean, these are long-range airplanes, uh, and they're large, productive airplanes. So don't get me wrong. Just because the 650 is so capable, uh, by no means is is, uh, is the 500 600 anything that are very capable airplanes. But again, fitting a different niche, but with the most modern technology and the most uh, robust capabilities, both for the people sitting in the flight deck and the people sitting in the back to be to be productive, just as if they were sitting in a conference room at their own office. We talked earlier about it being a business tool, and I know that that is the lion's share of the market. The other share of that market is private individuals who are are looking for a lot of the same things you mentioned in business tool, but also are looking at it as a little bit of a, a luxury item. What does Gulfstream provide for folks that are really interested in the creature comforts? The airplanes are designed to be to be comfortable, but the business user and the individual user that you just described, they're really looking for the same thing. If I'm if I'm a um, I aspire to win a lottery or two so I can win have a lottery, but if I'm an individual owner uh, I still want an airplane that's comfortable, and I arrive at the destination rested. I'm able to do my own business, even if my own business is, is surfing the internet for for a Christmas present, right? So the, the 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 things that we're looking for for those customers are very similar to what business customers are looking for. Our podcast today is brought to you by something that's very near and dear to us here at the Savannah Morning News. For the past 47 years, this news organization has led the empty stocking fund raises money for families in need during the holiday season. The fund has raised millions of dollars over the years to ensure that every child in the Savannah area has a reason to smile on Christmas morning. There are two ways to donate. 
online at savannahnow.com. Look for the donate button at the top of the homepage. Or the old-fashioned but tried-and-true way by mailing a check made payable to SCF-Empty Stocking Fund to the following address. 2225 Norwood Avenue, Suite B, Savannah, Georgia, 31406. That's a check payable to SCF-Empty Stocking Fund and sent to the following address. 2225 Norwood Avenue, Suite B, Savannah, Georgia, 31406. The Savannah Morning News will acknowledge individual donations in the daily newspaper and online until Christmas Day with a final total shared with the community on New Year's Day. So Gulfstream is one of those unique businesses that makes products that a large share of the population is not necessarily going to be able to experience or to enjoy. You said you, I'm sure you've talked to a lot of people in town to ask you, what's what's it like to be in a Gulfstream or what's this or what's that? What, what do you tell those people and for people that are listening that are asking those same questions, what would you tell them? I go back to the, something I actually said earlier. Uh, these are time machines, right? For people who, who need to get business done, who need to do multiple things in a, in a given day or in a given week, it's a time machine that allows you to do business, whether it's personal business or, uh, or, or you know, the, the, the business where you provide for your family. These are, these are tools that let you get stuff done. And, and when you're on board the airplanes, uh, they are set up in such a way that you can do just that. So uh, what's it like to be in a Gulfstream airplane? I think the best way to describe it is it's like being in a uh, conference room of a, of, a, of a company where you've got access to uh, the Internet, your cell phones, etc. You've got a, a, a noise level. And one of the things that surprises most people when they fly first on a Gulfstream, modern Gulfstream is how quiet it is. So the, the airplanes are, have a sound level that's roughly equivalent to being in a conference room in an office with the air conditioner on. And why is that important? Well, it's important because it allows the people on the airplane to be able to talk in normal tones and do business. Again, whether it's true business or personal business, uh, and it allows them to arrive at the destination more rested. Uh, I think back to last time I was on an airliner, which was 24 hours ago, and um, by an airline, but it was not quiet or comfortable, and I was tired when I arrived at the destination. And um, rather than thinking that that's the kind of environment that a person would experience on a Gulfstream, again, think of being in a business conference room, doing business in a relaxed, efficient environment. That's what it's like to be on a Gulfstream airplane. All of that comes back to, to innovation, and I don't know that there are probably a few companies out there that can claim innovation the way that the Gulfstream can and has. And you, you mentioned earlier that an R&D campus that's housed here and, and a lot of engineers that are housed here. What has been some of the, the approach and innovations, and what would you say Gulfstream is most proud of right now from that side of things? Sure. Well, we have a lot to be proud of. I think for the community, uh, I'd like the community in Savannah to be proud of the fact that 100% of Gulfstream's R&D engineering engineers and labs are here in Savannah. And while it's not a secret at Gulfstream, it, it's not as well known in the communities I'd like it to be. And, and what does that mean? That means that, that you've got the world's most technologically advanced airplane company and all of the R&D that that world's most technologically advanced airplane company is doing is here in Savannah. If it's Gulfstream made, it's Savannah grown. And that's a pretty big deal. So what are some examples of that? Uh, I have two favorite examples of how sophisticated we have, uh, how sophisticated our labs are here. So we have an acoustics lab. I mentioned earlier how important it is for the the cabin environment of the airplane to be quiet so that it's efficient for the for the passengers. Well, we 
work hard on that. Uh, we work hard on on new technologies that can keep that noise level down. So in support of that, we have an acoustics lab here in Savannah. So I grew up in Georgia. I've never thought of Georgia. I've never thought of Savannah as, as having a lot of earthquake activity, seismic activity. But it turns out it does when you're dealing with a lab as sophisticated as this one. So this lab is so sophisticated, so sensitive, that here in Savannah, when we built the lab, we had to build it on shock absorbers. Now, the engineers call it something more sophisticated than that, but, but I'm from Taylor County. It's shock absorbers. Uh, so we, we, we had to build the lab on shock absorbers so that it would be sufficiently seismically isolated so that the seismic activity in Savannah, Georgia, doesn't mess up the instrument. That's pretty cool. Another great example of the very sophisticated lab facilities that we have, first in business aviation, in um, one of our engineering buildings, we have a, a set of integrated test facilities. Well, it's a confusing term. What does that mean? One of the things it means is we have an entire G500 and an entire G600, entire airplanes built inside of a building, fully functional, landing gear comes up, Flaps go down, all the flight controls work, all the avionics are 100% identical to the real airplane. In fact, they are production units and production wiring in the whole nine yards. Well, why do we do that? And why in the world would Gulfstream build an airplane, two airplanes inside of a building for safety quality? We built those airplanes in those buildings long before the first real airplane was built so that that we could, and we literally did, have tens of thousands of quote-unquote flight hours on those airplanes before the test pilots took the real airplane into flight for the first time. I doubt many of your listeners understand that there are two very sophisticated Gulfstream airplanes inside a building that have tens of thousands of flight hours that have never left the ground. But that's that's the kind of really, really sophisticated stuff we have in Savannah, and I want the community to be proud of that. And that's a program that, that started back in the 90s, right? I think the G5 was the first one that had such a test platform, and you guys have refined it over the years. That, uh, we start actually we started earlier than that with the G4. Uh, the first integrated test facility was for the G4 back in the late 80s, and then it became more and more sophisticated with the G5, and then the 450 and 550, and then now with the 500 and 600, it's it's what we had before on steroids. But you're exactly right. We've had a long history of building that up, and and through the course of it, being leaders, and we're still leaders in the business aviation community with that kind of a very sophisticated lab. In fact, the FAA has. Uh, has bragged on us for for how innovative that was and how effective it was in ensuring that the first flight and the subsequent test flights uh, are just routine, right? Because we've already flown it for thousands of hours. The test pilots have already done the test flights and all the different scenarios they'd have to work for work through, excuse me, so that by the time they they take the real airplane on the first flight, it's old hat. And I imagine that kind of helps you push the envelope of innovations a little bit, right? I mean, I know the 500 and 600 have a breakthrough technology in the cockpit and how they operate the aircraft. How does being able to test that stuff help push the envelope in terms of your innovations? Sure. Well, that, that, that lab definitely makes all the difference in the world because you've got a flying environment that you can experiment on. You can be more aggressive in trying different things, trying different technologies, because you're doing it for the first time, not just the first time, but for thousands of hours on the safety of the ground. So if something doesn't work right, you have an unexpected glitch, no big deal. You root cause it, figure out what the problem is, work around it, all on the safety of the ground. So that by the time that really new innovative technology, cutting edge technology takes true flight for the first time, it's really not that new because we've already tested it. And it's, it's a well-known quantity from a test pilot and engineer standpoint. And safety is obviously the biggest part of it, but you're also in an environment where you can work on it 
24-7 if you want. You're not burning any gas. You're, there's a lot of different pieces to the, to the testing environment. That's an excellent point. Yes, you're right. It, it, it is much safer to do the early on innovative work on the ground. Uh, but from an environmental sustainability standpoint, I mean, we've got 10,000 you know, or thousands and thousands of hours on the airplane before the first flight, and we've not burned uh, one gallon of fuel yet, right? That's, that's very environmentally friendly. I think what a lot of people think of an aircraft manufacturer, they think of manufacturing a facility, an assembly facility. Obviously, we talked about the R&D and the engineering facilities. What else do people do out here? What other things have you got people engaged in? We do everything. Uh, if you if you step back and think about it, we'll just take take Savannah as an example again. We've got eleven thousand people here on campus. We are a city, city in, in in and of itself. So we have people who do just about everything that you would do in a city. We have policemen. We call them security guards. We have electricians. We have carpenters. Uh, we have lawyers. <laughs> I guess that's not necessarily a positive thing, but we do have lawyers like myself. But we have uh, uh, environmental health and safety experts, of course, human resources experts, you name it. Again, we're, we're really a, a city, uh, a city that operates with just about every discipline that you could think of. And I think that's important for the community to understand because when they're thinking about what they want to do or what their children might want to do, please think of Gulfstream uh, because it's not, it's not just the, uh, the hardcore engineers, the hardbo- hardcore uh, maintenance technicians and the like. We've got great jobs for just about any interest. There are so many different jobs at Gulfstream that, that people wouldn't expect to see. And one of, one of the areas that is frankly one of my favorites is is I doubt that, uh, actually I'll, I'll use two. Uh, one, I doubt that most people in the community realize that we have a, a large full-time staff of interior designers that work here with our, our customers. Our customers come in from all over the world and they help, they, they serve as interior designers to, to design the airplanes. The other one that I bet very few people in the, in the community realize is we have a, a, a full-time staff for our TV station. We have a full-blown television station in our service center here in Savannah uh, with a full-time news anchor. We broadcast daily over the Internet. We do broadcast daily. So I bet your listeners didn't know that there's a a full-time Gulfstream Channel television station right here in Savannah. Before we wrap up here, let's take a a deep dive. And this this question isn't necessarily just about Gulfstream, but more about the aviation industry in general. Obviously, the the pace of technology today is changing all the time, and people want to get places quicker and do it on their own time schedule when you guys look 10 15 20 years out to the future of aviation and where things are headed what do you see that maybe people will be surprised to hear that's a good question i think probably the most important piece is that is we and we're, we're there already right if we're looking into the future we're in a global environment and the world is only going to get more and more global meaning people in savannah georgia people in in uh, Brunswick, Georgia, are going to be doing more and more business day-to-day with people all over the world. So what does that mean to the airplane business? It means we've got a really bright future, right? The, the more people are doing business internationally, uh, the more they're needing to be connected, the more they're going to need to be in person with each other, and the more they're going to need our products because our products facilitate that business. But what we – our niche, so to speak, in the business aviation world is, is the global part, doing – doing business across the across the oceans and you know as i sit here today i don't know what the airplane is going to look like 20 years from now that's a gulfstream airplane but what i do know for sure is there'll be a very strong market for gulfstream airplanes and what we do and how well we do it 20 30 50 years from now 
Well, Jay, I really appreciate you taking the time to spend some time with us today and share some information with our listeners. And uh, I guess before we sign off, I'll, is there anything I didn't cover that I, that I should have covered? Thank you. You've been very thorough. I appreciate your time. Thank you. listening to the Difference Makers podcast, a production of the Savannah Morning News and savannahnow.com. We post a new episode every other Friday, and it's available on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. We also publish a daily news and opinion podcast called The Afternoon Commute. Search for The Commute with at Savannah Opinion and subscribe to our podcast today.